Have you learned, have you, have you been attacked in any way where you knew that you had to be strong? Anybody ever been that way? Where something was going on in your life and uh, I, I just, I, I see people uh, as a pastor perhaps, maybe it's it, just the work of the Holy Spirit in my own life. When I see things that are going on in people's lives, or things that we, you might not like in their lives, uh, here's, here's, here's the legal position. They need to stop doing that. Okay, just need to stop. How many know some people would have stopped years ago if they could have? Anybody found that to be true? Uh, living by the law is weird. Am I... Does that make sense to anybody? Living by the power of the Holy Spirit is wonderful. It's just so wonderful. That's some of the things that we found in our teaching on more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And all of these things, my victory is going to be through Christ. Christ wants to do a work in our heart. Anybody ever found that to be true? That you really have to surrender your thoughts? Right? Your will, even your emotions. How many know emotions can be crazy? Wave at me if you know emotions can be crazy. Some people understand that. I mean, it's like your emotions, they will take you places that are, and tell you things that are not true. Right? You just feel certain things. You'll start quoting from your emotions rather than your thoughts. Things that you know that are true. And uh, in all of these things, whatever God wants you to be, say it again, more than a conqueror. I've been teaching you this summer and just can't seem to get away from it. Uh, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to listen to the Lord. And uh, after I finished writing this up, I thought, Lord, I'm just re-preaching everything. But it's all fresh. It just keeps feeling more and more fresh. Uh, and all these things, we're more than conquerors. And then we are using that statement because the Old Testament, the teaching of the Old Testament is given to us as an example of how this works. When you read in the Old Testament, they're giving us examples. They're giving us stories. It's a beautiful narrative on how these things happen. And Joshua was such an overcomer, right? Such a conqueror. Uh, be strong and courageous. Come on, let's say it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. So wherever you go, whatever you're doing, right there. Even in the mess, right? Be strong and courageous. Shout it. Be strong and courageous. So this morning, I want to build some conquerors and talk to you from the thought, the making of a conqueror. And we're going to continue talking a little bit about Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. Read this with me. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Oh, thank you for saying that to me. So grateful. <laughs> thank you. I like hearing that. Let's try it again. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Wow, it feels good to hear you say that. I, sometimes I don't feel like a mighty man of valor, but the more you tell me, the better I feel. So just to read it one more time. Come on. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. All right, I got this. All right, I got this. Thanks for your encouragement. Okay, let's try it again, but this time say it. 
Uh, you can change the word mighty man, mighty woman if you want to, whatever. Say it to a person nearby you. Okay, ready? Just that last part. The Lord is with you. I love the word valor. In fact, the scripture uh, is really the, the whole word where it says man of valor is really uh, a word. Okay, man of valor. Uh, it's a title. It's a position. Uh, one of the great ways that you translate it is champion. So it could be written this way. The Lord is with you, champion. You like that? Say that. The Lord is with you, champion. Just go ahead. Tell us. The Lord is with you, champion. Don't you like that term? I think everybody wants to be a champion. I think that's one of the reasons you connect with teams hoping and hope. To, I mean, football season's getting ready to kick off. And uh, yeah, whoop, whoop, whoop. Because, I mean, the only way some of you can have any hope of being a champion is if your team wins a championship and you happen to be wearing their hat. Because that's where we leave it all, right? We leave it all. We say, maybe they'll get another one, you know? How many Redskins fans do I have in this house? God, God help you folks, you know? God help you. Where's my, where's my cowboy fans? You know, it's like, help us Jesus, you know? And, uh, but I know, what's that? Keep going. I started this now, didn't I? And I turned something up on the inside. I know I got some Steelers fans in the room and you're nuts, right? And got some Patriots fans in the house. And I'm not going any further. I'm stopping right there. And Niners fans. There's actually Niners in the fans. And see, when I do this, when I do this, you guys got to get all excited and I mean, it's been years, but you know there's a champion somewhere. You know there's a Super Bowl ring somewhere inside. You just, you just get, you hope, you hope, and then you cry and you weep and you say, wait till next year. <laughs> Listen, what is it going to take to get you to the place where you see yourself as a champion? What is it going to take? What, what moves, what sermons, what, what's it going to take until you look in the mirror and all the negative junk <laughs> that you feel about yourself, all of the low expectations you have of yourself will finally lose their grip. Is it okay for me to look at myself and say, wait a minute, I'm not a loser, do you hear what I'm telling you? Somebody needs to hear what I'm preaching to you right now. What is it going to take? I, I, I don't know about you, but in my life, one of the things that I have learned to enjoy is a good action movie. Anybody? I mean, you know. How many? Come on, shout out a good action movie to me somewhere. Die Hard. Die Hard with a vengeance. Die Hard with a whatever, you know. Uh, Come on, go throw back. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, didn't he kind of, didn't that Harrison Ford movie just kind of set it up? And then, uh, you know, one of my favorites currently is, is uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, you know. And uh, what can I say? The first five minutes is the best part of it. But because uh, my grandson's in that movie, if you didn't know that, and you can go watch it. We, a bunch of us, watched it the other night. It was just really great. But it really was just this, listen, I don't know if you know this, but there's a girl named Dora who's in that movie who is kind of like the champion. 
You know, no matter where she goes, school, she's still a champion. She still, she doesn't seem to try to fit into everybody's mold. It was kind of fun. Anybody watch the movie? It was kind of fun. You know, Dora, she's still tucking to her backpack and got this weird monkey that chases her around. And, and she, you know, sees things differently than everyone else. And, and uh, you know, I won't go into the whole story. I, I, just, I just really enjoyed it. I, I have in my life... Uh, watched a lot of action movies, and I, you, you kind of get caught up in them. One of the cool things is you anticipate that the star of the movie is actually going to uh, complete this adventure and be victorious. And I talked to you uh, recently about some other movies. You remember you talking about Star Wars not long ago? I was talking about some Star Wars uh, There are other movies that have prequels and sequels, and one of the cool things about them it's like uh, Batman movies. Anybody ever seen Batman movies? So uh, there is uh, different Batman movies, but there's one where Christian Bale. Anybody heard of Christian Bale? All right, so he's the he's the uh, the dude. He's the the lead actor, and and what's cool about that is that you just don't see the Batman and the Batcave. You see the making of Batman. You see the making of the hero, the things that have happened in his life that cause him to be the individual that he's going to be. Uh, I have had the privilege in my life and I, uh, uh, of knowing some Navy SEALs, uh, some guys. And I remember the first guy that I met, at, or really was at the beginning of my pastor, a guy named uh, Frank Fetzko. I haven't seen Frank in years and years, but Frank and I were such good buddies and he used to take me out to, to shoot over at Oceana, and it was so cool because when Frank and I would go out and shoot, we could shoot as long as we wanted, and the government was paying for it. It was so fun. I was such a great shot in 1989, 1990, and I got my 12-gauge out, and I'm shooting high house and low house, and you know I'm, I'm the man because Frank is teaching me how to shoot, okay? And I'm not that great of a shot now, all right, unless you break into my house. Okay, anyway, uh, what, what I'm saying is, that uh, it, it took some effort. It took some... It, well, for Frank, how did, how did he get to that particular place? And he told me some about the Navy SEAL training. Anybody heard about some Navy SEAL training before? I mean, I'm not sure if, if I would even want to think about the idea of going and sitting in a freezing ocean for, you know, a day. You know, I mean, who wants to do that sort of thing? Or... Uh, just, just all of the things, you know, the staying awake, you know, what do they call it? Hell week, you know, that where they just take them through such rigorous training. Uh, but I'm really glad that there are individuals who have that kind of training. Anybody else like me regarding that? I'm glad and that they're like on my team. I, I'm glad for that. We started last week talking about Gideon and the Midianites and Gideon's 300. Anybody remember me talking last week about the 300, how God kept chopping down the crowd of soldiers that they had because they were going to fight the Midianites who had like 132,000 soldiers. And, and uh, so Israel has, you know, 20 some thousand and God says, not nah, got too many. And finally they chop it down to only 300 soldiers and they, you know, they take their flashlights and kazoos and go chasing down the, the Midianites. Basically that's what it is. I mean, what do you have in your hands? If we had a battle right now, what do you have in your hands? You know, I got a key, you know, got a key. And uh, that's about it. Got a phone. You know, I don't know. I guess I could beat people over the head with a phone or something. I, what do you have that makes you a hero? Or what's 
in your heart that makes you a hero. Here's what I'm saying. Are you about ready to become the champion that God has always wanted you to be? Are you about ready to be that? You may not feel like a hero yet, but wait until you see what God is going to do in your life. And as you walk through some of the things, how many have walked through some mess, some stuff in your life? And you say, well, God, why am I going through all of this? Because God says, I want you to be a champion. I want you to be a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. And and that's my purpose. I, I want us to examine Gideon because I believe there are some Gideons in this room. Can I get an amen? Give me a Gideon hurrah or something. Okay, we... We know that Jesus is working in us right now. We know that he is making us more like himself. We know he is making us into conquerors and that we must become this. But we all have a next step and a stage. We are being transformed, the Bible says, from glory to glory. I know you're saying, when am I going to get through this? You're going to get through it. You need to tell somebody that too. Tell somebody. Come on, tell somebody you're going to get through this. Tell somebody. Open up your mouth and tell them. We're in Judges chapter 6. Now, if you've read the book of Judges, Judges is one of the most depressing books in the Bible. Because you know what Israel does faithfully in the book of Judges? Fail. They miserably, as a nation, fail over and over. And they sin. Time and time again, they forget God and they rebel. I know you don't relate to any of this. They become enslaved and there's repentance and restoration. They begin to enjoy life and then they fail again. They cry out to God and someone sends to them, God sends someone to them and raises them up and uses them as a deliverer. But God doesn't send an angel. God raises somebody up just like us. Isn't that weird? We want God to send, you know, this supernatural winged creature with a sword in his hand. Nope. He sends somebody out of our tribe. Somebody who's been through some mess. Somebody who's going through some stuff. And raises them up as a champion. Anybody like this? Somebody get nervous. Oh no, I'm going to have to do something. Yes, you are. Judges 6 verse 1. You ready? Because we're going to raise up some conquerors today. Somebody say, let's raise some conquerors up. We're going to raise up some conquerors. Judges 6 verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. And also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. So it wasn't just the Midianites, but all kinds of people. They began to realize these people would... Grow the crops, and we'll just steal them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep 
nor ox, nor donkey. They would just steal everything. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So here's a familiar phrase for the fourth time in Judges. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. Anybody have kids? In your house? Have they ever done evil in the sight of you? All right? All right? I, I'm just learning this again, okay? Because I have grandchildren. You know, Avalyn's two years old. She's perfect. And crazy sometimes. Does some amazing things. And sometimes will continually do crazy things in the sight of her mommy and daddy. Because as far as we are concerned, as grandparents, it's all cool. All right? Aren't you glad you serve a good, good father? Anybody glad you serve a good, good father who is patient, not willing that any should perish? God is still working. He is patient, and he is long-suffering. But, but notice that the Israelites had just overcome 40 years of peace. Okay, they, they came through 40 years of peace, and their previous judge, Deborah, is gone, and the Israelites are back. It doesn't take that long, right? Just a few years to forget everything you went through. It's not good for any of us to be our own leader. When we are the only person that we are accountable to, I'm preaching to somebody, you can't isolate yourself from those who have gone before you and from those who God has placed over you. Life gets good and we stop listening to our godly mothers and fathers and prophetic leaders and anarchy never leads to a good thing. And I'm looking at this scripture The scriptures say that the Israelites are delivered to the Midianites. Looking back in in, in Judges chapter 6 and 1, the the Israelites are delivered. Do you get this? Now, how many thank God that he's a delivering God? I don't know if you heard what I just said. The Bible says... That this is a different kind of deliverance. He delivers them into the hands of the Israelites. Which reminds me of being a child. When I was at church and my mama would look at me and say, I'm going to tell your daddy what you have done when you get home. Now what she was doing was delivering me over into the hand of my daddy. And as soon as she said that. I knew there was no discussion about it. I knew that it was done. That my mother was always a woman of her word. And I knew what was coming. You see, deliverance doesn't always come the way that we expect it. The word is nothan. And and I'm telling you that because it has this broad application. We say, God, we need deliverance right now. And sometimes you don't know what you're asking for. Because I'll tell you this as well. 
You don't even, God is such a good father that he will provide deliverance for you before you even ask. And sometimes deliverance is at the hand of the Midianites. God will set you free. Somebody thank God he is a delivering God. He will set you free one way or another. Preach, Pastor. The Midianites, the Midianites were like, uh, I said Star Wars, the sand people. Anybody heard the sand people from Star Wars? They were too numerous to count. And if you know about the sand people, then you know that they hid their numbers. They would walk in the foot, their own footsteps of one another so nobody could know. Uh, maybe you don't know anything about them. I can tell by no amens. But, but these are desert people who keep sneaking in and swiping the crops and the livestock. Judges 6 and 5 says they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. But they and their camels were without number. They were like locusts in that they would come in as bullies and destroy everything. The Israelites were now cave people, constantly hiding in caves. And the people are, 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 not, are, are just terrified. They're constantly terrified and running for their lives. So what did they do? Look at Israel's perfect response. In Judges 6 and 6, here's their perfect response. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So God is always ready to hear your cry. Somebody thank God for that. Would you do that? He is always ready to hear your cry. He is always open to your cry. David writes in Psalm 86 and 7, in the day of my trouble, I will call up on you and you will answer me. Now folks, I've seen some broken, messed up people in my life and I just don't have time to give up on them. Anybody with me on this? I just don't have time. I know there are times when I just have to release them. Anybody know what I'm saying? There are times when people just ignore and they ignore and they ignore, but, but I, I have to And I have to sometimes let people be in their bondage until they're sick and tired of being in their bondage. But I'm so hopeful of that seed of faith rising up and bringing out the cry. Anybody love that? I know some of you don't like that, but I I just love it when I see somebody hit the altar and say, Oh, God, I'm tired of where I've been and the way that I've been living. God, help me. It's a beautiful sound. And I'm hopeful of that seed of faith. Some of you might be that person or know that person. I know, I know that they might be in Midian. You might be in Midian. But God is just waiting on your cry. And you will find this out, parents. It's, it's one of the tough issues. I can't save my kids from everything. I'm here. But sooner or later, they're going to have to reach in their own guts and find their own cry out to God. You understand that? Come on, I know you don't want that. You've taught them and you've told them sooner or later they're going to have to experience deliverance. When I hear a baby cry, I want to say, stay close. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm saying? Stay close to God, sweetie, because that ain't nothing compared to the cry of one who is utterly lost. Amen. Amen. That was my illustration for this morning. Thank you, Mariana. God's ears are never clogged. Whenever you are ready to cry out, Proverbs 24, 16 reads this way, the righteous falls seven times and rises again. 
Come on, say it. The righteous fall seven times and rise again. We fall down, but we get up. Anybody heard that before? Come on, we fall down, but we get up. What that means is, is that God will never tire of hearing your voice. Look further in the story, and I'll get, give you a few points. In Judges 6 and 7, came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God, Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now notice the difference. Up until this time, when the children of Israel cried out, he sent them a deliverer. He sent them a judge to kick in the door and destroy the enemy. This time, we have something else that he sends. He sends a prophet. Let me help you. He sends a preacher. What, come on, oh, slap the person next to you and say, wake up, the preacher's here, okay, come on. He sends a preacher and preaches the sermon that no one wants to hear, that nobody wants to say amen to, because everybody wants to transfer, come on, what they have done to somebody else. This is all the work of the devil in your life. No. We just need to rebuke the enemy. No. This is because of my wife. No, because of my employer. No. Sometimes you need a prophet to show up. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. Because the word precedes the work. You might want to write that down. Why, Why does he get a prophet, okay? Please, don't just discipline your children corporally. Don't just spank your babies and think everything's going to be all right. Come on. You need to let your children know. I know when they're little, little babies, they don't have words, but they start getting words. You see what I'm saying? They start getting understanding. Yes, I'll get you out of this, but you need a reality lesson today. So I'm not just going to grab you by the hand and drag you out. I'm going to tell you why you are in the situation you're in right now. Listen. Listen to the prophetic message. The prophet's going to say a few things, but it it comes down to what God has done and what God has said and how Israel has failed. What God has done, what God has said. What What has God done? I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out from the house of bondage. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians. I even defeated the people that were for you. And then what has God said? And I told you, I brought you out. And then I told you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. I want you to know that I'm the only God. Don't, don't be afraid of these other gods. And then he looks at them in the face and he says, but you have not obeyed my voice. We need to know what God has done. Come on. And what God has said. Come on, church. God has been good. Come on. Anybody know that? God has been good. You got ink pens and you got, you got, you could do this real quick. You could do this real quick. If you got sermon notes, you could take an ink pen. If I ask you, tell me something God has done for you. I know you haven't testified in a long time, but it's about your turn. 
Come on. What, who could lift your hand and say, God has done something for me? Anybody? God has done something. Wave, wave your hand. Now wave your hand like this. Wave your hand. What has God done? What has he done for you? Has he healed your body? Has he touched my mind? He saved me. Don't make me sing right now. Okay? I'm, how many could testify that God has done miracles for you? If it had not been for God, where would you be? How many know it was the hand of God? How many know it was God who delivered you, that God healed you, that God raised you up? Come on, wave at me. You ought to write it down. You ought to write it down. Everybody, everybody wants some meds, but not many people want the diet change. Come on. Did I say that? Everybody wants meds, some people, but nobody wants the diet change. Just give me something for my condition so I'll feel better. But don't change my life. Don't change my mind. Don't deal with the junk that's going on inside of my heart. Come on. Come on. You hear me. I think really what they wanted to do, hey, God, here's, here's their cry. God, the Midianites are after us. Get them. Look what you allowed to happen. You brought us all the way here. And how many have ever blamed God before? Anybody? Where are my God blamers at? Come on, all of us have it sometime, right? God's big enough. He can take that. He's sovereign. But if you're going to cry out to God, he's going to take the opportunity to tell you that this could very well be a self-inflicted wound. We need to stop blaming God for everything that has happened in our life. God wants you to live in the times of refreshing but you've got to learn to hear the voice of God. That's why you ever hear people, you know, I just don't like to go to church. All they do is judge me, judge me, judge me. Maybe it's something about you. All they do is try to tell me I'm supposed to live and tell me what's a sin. And, you know, some people are really good with that. It's like, I love it when I learn how to do life better. Jesus, help the preacher preach today. See, listen to what he said. Look at the specific command in, in verse 10. He said, I also said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Folks, we're making champions right now. Some of you forgot. We're making champions. You're in Navy SEAL uh, Hell Week right now. You are in the water, and it's really cold. Okay, and some of you want to run because you wanted me to make you a champion just by giving everybody a participation trophy. And it don't work that way. Come on. Come on, remember Joshua 1 and 9? Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Why do I have to be strong and of good courage? Because you're going to go through moments where you need strength and courage. Don't fear, don't be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you. Even in the mess, I'm with you. Remember this teaching. Remember this. Whoever you bow before is who you are worshiping. Don't forget this. Whoever you are bowing before, that's who you are worshiping. That's that principle of Joshua 1 and 9. That's that principle of Joshua 6 and 10. Whoever you bow before, say it. Whoever you bow before is who you are worshiping. No, I worship Jesus. You may worship Jesus on Sunday, but if you're just trying to please everybody the rest of the time because you're afraid of what they might think or what they might say, you're really worshiping them. Remember this. 
It dictates how you live. That's what happened to the Israelite. It, it plays out in our lives. If you fear man and his approval, you're going to fall into compromise. If you fear man more than God, you're going to fall for that pressure. You will compromise what is truly important for what you think makes you look important. You were not created to worry about what everybody else thinks of you. We are here to, come on, we are here to prove God to this world. Proverbs 29 and 25, I love all these scriptures. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Anybody remember Proverbs 9 and 10? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Have you quote that again in Psalm 111 and 10? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, and quote it again in Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. Please just get me out of here right now. I got places to go and things to do and people to please. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The reverence of God, the concern for, for what God thinks is most important. Now, let me wrap this up with what God does with this situation so that we can embrace how God makes a conqueror, makes a champion. So we're going to look at this scripture in Judges 6, 11, and 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the, the terebinth tree, which was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiazrite. I love pronouncing that. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So, so you know this is no ordinary angel. How many have studied this before? This is no ordinary angel. The angel of the Lord appears to be the pre-incarnate Christ himself. Some people think Jesus showed up on Christmas morning. I'm telling you, he is the Alpha and the Omega. And uh, often communicates messages of grace and salvation in the word of God. So this is a big deal that the son of God shows up and he's staring at Gideon in the eyes. And that's where Gideon finds himself. He's in, I told you last week, he's in a wine press threshing wheat. It's the wrong place to be. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You thresh it out in the open. But he is living in fear. Come on. He's living in fear. Let me tell you this. Three things. One, God chooses conquerors prophetically. God, say it with me, God chooses conquerors. Some people don't want a prophet. Somebody say, I need a prophet. I need a prophet. I need a prophet. I need a prophetic word. So uh, uh, I, I saw a snake at a wedding one day. It's one of my favorite moments. I was doing the wedding, and there was a snake. We were at Botanical Gardens, and it was just worming right through the crowd. And people were going, ah! I wish I had a video of that moment. It was beautiful. <laughs> and uh, I'm not afraid of snakes. I'm not. I'm bigger than snakes. You see what I'm saying? I can find sticks, ball bats, or the heel of my dress shoe. I have also picked up snakes by their tail and thrown them away. I might have ended a few of their lives. Don't look at me that way, all right? I, you know if there's a yellow jacket nest, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to find a stick. 
I'm not afraid of one bee sting. I'm massively larger than they are. And, uh, but I have fears. And here's, here's the reality. Sometimes your fears are connected to your injuries. I have things that I'm afraid of. Things that shake me up on the inside. I mean, I mean, you're funny when a garter snake runs across your yard and you're screaming like a little baby running across the yard. That's funny to me, all right? But um, I want you to see a man who is potentially a conqueror hiding in a cave. And I want to ask you, what cave are you hiding in? And I want to ask you, why are you there? And I want to ask you, when was the first time you remember being in that cave? I want to ask you that. Maybe it was a child. I don't know when you first felt it. I don't know. But I'm telling you that God knows exactly where you are. And he has a prophetic word for you. Anybody receiving what I'm preaching to you right now? You hear it? Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Some of you feel so inadequate because God's plan for you in the future doesn't look like your face in the mirror. But God is saying, and this is what happens. This, the angel of the Lord comes and says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Come on, I love people with the story. You're not just going to get through it, God is saying. I'm going to use you greatly with what you've come through. Stop wallowing in your failures. Do you not know that you're already a great man or a woman of God prophetically? Jesus already calls you a man or a woman of valor. It's more important to hear what God says about you than what you say about yourself. Don't ask the Midianites. Come on. Come on. Don't ask your co-workers. Come on. Don't just find somebody on Facebook and say, what do you think of me? What you need to do is go to God and say, God, who do you say that I am? Because who he says I am is more important than what anybody else says. Okay? How does God make a conqueror? He does it prophetically. Prophetically. I need to receive the prophetic word of God. I need to be around those who are prophetic to speak in my life. I need more than a prayer. I need a word from the Lord. Anybody say an amen to me? And for those who are from communities that believe God is deaf and mute and can't hear and can't speak, I feel sorry for you because I serve a God that hears me and has a word for me in the right season. How does God make conquerors? God makes conquerors out of weak people. Oh, Jesus. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has he ha- this happened to us? Where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of, of the Midianites. Gideon is asking, If God is good, then why am I having all these problems? And what Gideon has, come on, we've all done this. Let's not bust on him too much. God, Gideon has some major problems. He is struggling with his faith. But at least he is honest with his God. This is rich, isn't it? Obviously, some of his premises are faulty because it wasn't God who did it. It was the Israelites that forsook God and they're blaming God. Gideon was basing God's goodness on the circumstances he saw. But aren't we supposed to walk by faith and not by sight? Anybody ever heard that before? We walk by what? Faith and not by sight. 
And the Lord just turns to him and says, Go in the might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he says, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Yep, I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. Didn't The Lord didn't even stumble. He said, Oh, no, I didn't know you were. Oh, you're from Manasseh. I didn't realize that. Oh, you're the weakest. No, no. God has a history of blessing and raising up weak people. God doesn't argue with them. Gideon is speaking the truth. He doesn't have a resume. He is saying, yep, your family is a mess. You have a past. All that matters is that I'm with you. Come on. God has to do this all the time with me. You know, I can't, I can't base my championship upon my father or my grandfather. I have to be with God. God is looking at who he is going to make you tomorrow. You need to hear this. You feel so inadequate, but God is not finished with you. I made you. Come on. I made you, God is saying. I made you. I'm going to use your brokenness. You are more than you know. Jesus died for you. He sees you as the sinless child of God. He looks at you through his redemptive work. I don't want you to walk out of this room continually wallowing in your failure. I know people, you know, well-known ones, well-known ones will say things like this. Well, nobody's a saint, and I'm telling you, you don't know the Word of God. Because the Word of God says, I am a saint. You, I mean, go ahead, call me Saint Rick if you need to, all right? We're saints. Look at each other. We're the saints who one day are going to be walk, marching in. We are those. Ephesians 2 and 19 says, You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He, in Romans 8 and 27, He who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God's going to make you into a conqueror. Stop listening to your weakness and start listening to His voice. He raised up Moses, the youngest a kid dropped in the river, a kid who couldn't speak clearly to be the deliverer of Israel. He raised up insignificant David, whose father left him in the backyard on anointing day. Jesse, Jesse, his dad, brought in his big, tall son, looked like he could play center for the L.A. Lakers. You know what I'm saying? I, it, but he didn't bring David in. And God said, I'm not looking at your stature. I'm looking at your heart. Jesus. God makes conquerors. Let me wrap this up. My time is gone. God makes conquerors of those who will be obedient. Here's the test. Here's the test. Will you obey? But I don't understand everything about what you're telling me, God. Didn't ask you to understand it all. Just be obedient. Obedient. Came to pass that night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the wooden image that's beside of it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. Take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. 
So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Are you with me on this? So he takes his own little SEAL Team 6 in, but he's obedient. Do you see his mess? Anybody see his mess? So he's still struggling with fear. Say it. I still struggle with fear sometimes. Find a way to be obedient anyway. And tear down anything in your house. Anything in your mind. Anything in your heart. Because this is not, this teaching is not about them overcoming the Midianites. This teaching is about raising somebody up who feels the weakest and saying, I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to make you a champion. The nation needs a champion. And obedience matters. Somebody shout amen. Obedience matters. First Samuel 15, 22. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. You people say, he had to build that altar. Yes, he did. He had to come against the very thing that Israel was afraid of. They were so busy worshiping Baal. Come on, worshiping the things of this world. God says, tear those things down. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode in him, with him. Jesus is calling us to obedience. God rewards obedience. Obedience to God demonstrates love and faith. So now we have 300 soldiers who defeat sand people, reminding us of the Joshua premise. God is with you. Trust him. Be strong and courageous. God is raising up warriors. He's raising up conquerors who will overcome through their simple obedience. Would you stand with me as we close the service today? I want some altar workers to come and stand with me and and get some oil on your hands. Would you do that? Because this is what I want to do in this last three minutes. Don't mess with me. Don't play with me right now. Just be obedient. I happen to be the prophet that the Lord has sent to preach to you this morning. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. There are those of you that are living in fear and you can't change your life. There are those of you that live in darkness in a cave that you have chosen. And God says, I not only want to make you a champion, I want to deliver other people through your deliverance. So what I want to do today, you guys ready up here in the front? You guys ready? What I want to do is anoint some champions today. I want to anoint some champions. You might say, well, you know, what is it I'm going to champion? I don't know all of your story. All I know is this. Is if we can get you out of the cave, If we can get you to expect God to do supernatural things. If we can get you to start believing what God says about you. Rather than what somebody else said about you. The people that hurt you. The people that wounded you. If we can get you to believe that. And you will accept the anointing today. You're going to go home and defeat masses of the enemy. And raise up a nation that will walk in power. Anybody receive that? Anybody receive that? So I'm calling, I'm calling to make and prophesy to some conquerors today. You've been defeated for way too long in your home. Been defeated for way too long in your life. The defeat 
is over and victory has come. Are you ready for this? How many need this message today? Anybody need this message? All right. I want you to leave your seat swiftly. Run down to this altar. I ain't got all day. I ain't got all day. I, this, is, this is your call. Just come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Spread away. Spread all the way across the altar. I got people praying all the way from the door to the aisleway. So just come on down. Come on down. Yeah. Tom, Terry, come and help me with this. Come on down. Squeeze on in this way. Squeeze on in. I got people all the way over here. Getting lines with getting get groups of twos and threes, alright? Lay your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you, all the way in, in the congregation. Lay your hand on somebody's shoulder. And I want you to say some things to them. I want you to prophesy to them. I want you to tell them you are more than a conqueror. Tell them that you are more than a conqueror. You are a champion. Tell them you are a champion. Tell them you are a champion. Tell yourself, I am a champion. Tell them I am a champion. I choose to be obedient to the call of God in my life. Say it. I choose obedience. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. After you finish praying, you may be dismissed. I love you so much. It's my joy to be your pastor. If you're new to freedom, please meet me in the Welcome Center soon. God bless you all. I love you.